0: Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Giselle Wurtheim is back on Hi FM. She's the founder of World of Longevity. Um, And it's always a pleasure. Giselle, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And always lovely to speak to you and to speak to all your listeners who are very good supporters of longevity. Indeed, Giselle. So, uh, you know... And I've said this before quite a few times on the show. People are using the word pivoting, changing business, um, catching up, shifting, changing. But you kind of got on the, 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 I would say you started the boat or you kind of watched the international trends in terms of magazines and where it was going. And you, you made decisions about longevity a couple of years ago, didn't you? Um, in terms of how, how many people would be reading online um, if we're looking at hard copies, where are you now with with Longevity magazine?
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it was very difficult at the time. It was about four years ago, actually, uh, when I took the dis- – well, i have been traveling a lot. Um, longevity enjoys a readership in the States. I was really trying to understand, uh, you know, longevity trends in the States. I was traveling quite a bit there. I was studying a bit at Harvard, and while I was doing that – Honestly, you know, I, I kind of had a, you know, really saw that magazines were, were becoming less apparent. Even the big names were struggling to keep printed copies on shelf, and they were all moving quite dramatically into more digital formats. Very difficult for a born and bred magazine person like I am. Nothing, nothing compares to magazines as far as I'm concerned. Even I'm with this. you. <laughs> I'm with you. It was very tough for me. And I remember I actually had a meeting with. A friend of mine introduced me to um, the editor of More, and More was one of the biggest American magazines aimed at more mature women, women over of the age of 42. And it was like a general lifestyle magazine, but a lot of health stuff. Very dynamic woman. Leslie, Leslie Seymour, she'd just been let go, and they were closing this magazine down. It had 600,000 readers. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that in America you can have 600,000 readers, and yet they're still closing this magazine down, and why? Because it's not about the readers. It was about the advertisers. And the advertisers had abandoned, you know, magazines to go online much more dramatically um, and well ahead of what's happening in South Africa. So I decided that that was not a fate that longevity would have because it has to have longevity. And so I took the decision to start cutting the number of print editions down so I could be more viable because it was hit and miss. You know, sometimes advertisers would support, sometimes they wouldn't the market got tougher, um, the the economy got tougher, and thank goodness I did, you know, I I took very hard decisions, in fact, it was a very tough time in my my career, I was really felt, you know, and everyone was looking at me, uh, you know, I was even being called like a traitor to magazines by certain people in the industry, you know, how can you do this, because I was saying on record that I think we all need to adjust because it's going to come, and of course, it did come, and then not only did it come, but COVID came, so, um, four years ago, you know, I exited amazing Cordell, which I'd launched in South Africa. I took a very hard decision again because I couldn't convince, I couldn't have a, you know, I couldn't get the publishing plan the way it had to be and longevity went down to two issues. And that's why we're probably still standing. Um, and, you know, and I don't brag about it because there's nothing to brag about. It, it just was hard. It's still extremely hard. We, we've just put out an annual. I was hoping to get two out this year, but COVID COVID came along and we couldn't get a Ju- July issue out because we were all locked up most of the time and you couldn't even get into the store. So we abandoned that and we've got our annual hours so and we're very proud of it. But, um, really it's, you know, we, it relies on the support of readers because there's not much advertising. So if we don't have readers buying it, then again, next year I have to reassess. So it's a very interesting time to, to be in business, Nikki. And, you know, I think a lot of people think, Digital
0: is just wash with money. It isn't. Um, Giselle, sorry, I I broke up for a moment there. Can you hear me, Giselle? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Please continue. I'm sorry about that.
1: Anyway, I just said that I think a lot of people think the media business is always slush with money and that digital, you know, it makes lots of money, but it actually is a very challenging business um, for everyone in digital. So it's also not – it's not manner from heaven But we continue and longevity exists And that's the most important thing And we exist every day online We are breaking stories every day Around the world um, It's funny, you were talking about the weather in Tel Aviv So I want to share with you that I broke a story Last week About research out of Tel Aviv And it's the most fascinating research And it's actually gone global, The research uh, We broke a story but the, the actual research has gone Global and um, and that's what makes it kind of really exciting, you know, in a way now that we're part of this whole world. We're not just a little magazine now. We are part of this global world of health. And we're having a lot more scientists all over the world talking to us. So, we, you know, I had an interview with Professor Shai Frati, who's at Tel Aviv University and the Center for Hyperbaric Medicine um, at the Cycle Center of Research. And, yeah, he gave me a whole lot of his time. And, I mean, you know, this is amazing. It probably wouldn't have happened four or five years ago if we were just focused only on a print edition. So, they're good that come out of adapting and, you know, dealing with adversity in a positive way and being proactive rather than waiting, you know, for it to hit you and take you out.
0: That's mm, so true. And, and I think it's the waiting that's so incredibly painful. Giselle, we're going to take a quick break, ad break, and then let's continue hearing more about the trends also, what you found um, during the time of COVID. We'll be right back. Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Giselle wertheim Ames, who's the founder of World of Longevity, um, on the show. We're talking about the changes that have taken place, um, how longevity moved online a while ago, a few years ago. Um, really ahead of the crowd, certainly here in South Africa. I mean, Giselle, if you just think about the fact that here we are broadcasting, we have a show, um, I'm in my office, you're in your office, or you're at home, I'm not sure where you are. Then you've got, you know, the engineers in the studio. It's incredible. Who would have thought that we'd be able to do something like this? Um, and as you mentioned, breaking a story, something that's happening in Tel Aviv, and then all of a sudden you have access to these doctors. And that's what's also open for, to all of us us really is that the world has opened up. We have access to wonderful, wonderful information. We can now do business in a different way. But I know that it also brings quite a bit of stress Um, with that. um, So there are some people who are flying with this new way of doing things and really loving it. And there are those who are finding it very stressful. So you've really got your finger on the pulse at longevity when it comes to wellness and health and are you finding any trends in terms of that, Giselle? Um, yeah, stress related to COVID and the kind of changes we've had to make.
1: Well, it's. I think it's very interesting in terms of the health industry is obviously in a much better situation than a lot of other industries. When I say the health, I'd say generally because I think – there have been pockets of health that have been severely affected by COVID. And one of them, which is quite interesting that I don't think people really consider, is that a lot of the general practitioners and that took a lot of strain during the first um, phases of lockdown, because you would think that people would still keep their regular appointments, but they, they didn't. Um, people were very worried about going into even see, you know, doctors. We, we know that um, compliance issues around uh, people who have particular uh, comorbidities and particular illnesses um, are way down because people have not been going in for their tests, for example, for their breast examinations, for all sorts of like those general things that you would do going to the dentist. I mean, I don't think I know anyone who's even gone near a dentist, um, even though we're not even in a technical lockdown. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there have been pockets where some that, you know, obviously the physical appointment situation has has really been locked, But then you've seen The rise of software companies who are offering doctors these e-com, you know, these e-solutions to be able to do consultations. And you know that it was illegal actually in South Africa before lockdown for a doctor to have an e-consultation. The medical uh, council that governs all the doctors had not approved um, e-consultation. So with lockdown, they had to adjust that. And you've now seen a whole lot of companies spring up and Doctors are embracing it, and I think there are a lot more doctors who are now doing these consultations online. Obviously, it's quite difficult. I, I even find it a difficult adjustment. I like sitting in front of a doctor. Um, and we, Now we're talking about things that can be done, you know, because I can go and do a blood test, and then my doctor can get the blood test, and then I can sit in my Skype or Zoom or whatever it is. It's very different to, obviously, other treatment protocols where you actually need a doctor to physically do something to you. Mm. Um, so I think that that's been a big trend, and I think that, that you see that really in countries like the U.S. and U.K., that there is this rise of the telemedicine, the teledoctor, and that is going to just carry on growing. And I think it's a good thing. It will make access to doctors, once the cost comes down, maybe even more affordable to poor communities, you know, in rural areas. I think there's huge things that can be done with telemedicine. So I think that COVID has really created this wonderful um, opportunity. Another interesting thing that COVID did was I've seen quite a few doctors, like we have a doctor that we work with, Dr. Anushka Reddy, who's an aesthetic medicine doctor, and she's been using um, artificial intelligence. I mean, it's really interesting um, to look at how sh- and technology to work with her patients remotely, you know, and look at aesthetic treatments. So start really doing all the preparatory work with them using software and these virtual conferencing and then obviously following all the protocols then for them to come in and do it so they can cut the time down, they can manage most of the process online, and then it's just the physical interaction that has to happen. So I think it's been quite amazing to see how a lot of doctors just embrace that. Also, um, you know, opened up probably customers' from all over the world where there wasn't a physical intervention needed. So in other words, um, you could do, I mean, I take a good example, it, you know, that there's this rise of genetic testing. So I had a genetic test the other day for breast cancer, for example, and I did a whole review on it. It was a very interesting process for me. I didn't have to go anywhere. I was at home in my office, my home office. The delivery guy came, dropped the thing off. I swabbed my mouth. I put it back, <laughs> all the <deliveries, laughs> fetched it. And then I had a a TED conference with two medical doctors, and they took me through this test. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, that is incredible. It really
0: is incredible.
1: It's incredible, and you know that was done, uh, you know, with a company called Optify, and it was amazing. So I really could do that instead of having to physically go into a laboratory somewhere. You know, put my, you know, go. So all that time was taken. That. I could just do it quickly. And also from a psychological point of view, I found I think it was a lot easier because I was in the comfort of my own home. I probably felt more safe and secure. So, so there are some incredible things that are happening. And then all those kind of interventions can just go online. You can consult your psychologist online. I think the, the one area where I think women struggled, and I would say for myself, was obviously in the beauty area. We know that the beauty industry was very severely affected. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually interviewed some. I'll start with hair because hair is always a big thing, right? <laughs> the hair thing was so interesting. I, you know, we can laugh about it, but it actually wasn't so funny. Um, you know, for someone I, you know, really look after my hair, and I struggled in the very hard
0: lockdown to look after my <laughs> hair have, all these grey roots going around.
1: Yeah. You know? Well, actually, I don't have. I have more of a problem being blonde and and having dark roots. So for me, wow. it was, you know, everyone was saying embrace the darkness, and I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> so go you know, back to like doing those home, you know, those like do-it-yourself jobs, which are never good. And I was just so relieved when they started lifting, and we could at least. And, and it was so interesting. How did hairdressers adapt? So a lot of hairdressers realised that they couldn't lose their customer base. So what they started doing was having e-consultations. So, okay, Giselle, this is how you're going to mix the mixture, this is how you're going to put it on. So they would still charge you to do the thing. They obviously couldn't blow it up, but at least they walked you through the whole steps of the getting delivered the, the the dye and the whatever else you needed. And I thought that was so innovative and and a lot of hairdressers embraced that. And I think those are the ones that are now still standing. The ones who got hid away and didn't want to do that because they thought it would take away their business. And they'd hoped obviously to open their doors quickly. It didn't and I think, you know, we've seen that there are fair amount of hairdressers, especially the small ones that had no capacity. So that was interesting to me. And um you know, there was this whole movement going about embracing your dark roots or embracing the grey. You know what the reality is, Nikki? We don't. Okay. We are human. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I think we've all got to admit that there, you know, it's not, it's not a sin to actually want to look good and, and to want to look well and healthy. And, and not everyone can embrace their grey hair. So, you know, I think, you know, we have to have the dye and we have to have those things. And I'm so happy that there were hairdressers who embraced this notion of drop off and, You know, e-counseling. So that was one thing, and then of course you also had the panic for for many women around some aesthetic treatments that were ongoing, maybe, and you know they, you know, your Botox and your fillers, not so much fillers can be done once every two years. But I, I guess anyone who, you know, was doing regular Botox probably got quite frightened at that time. But I think it was a good thing because I think you know what it also taught us all is that we can actually. Do, you know, we can plan to have more sustainable and sensible beauty treatments over time. And pre- perhaps COVID really got us all to rethink about, you know, what are we doing? Is it a sustainable option in the long run? Can we go more natural? Um, and then I, you know, I think that I think is very positive because I do think that there is a strong call for it that yes, we, we, we are, we deserve to have certain treatments, but maybe we don't need as much as we thought we did. And we can pamper ourselves a little bit more at home than we thought. You can you know, you can you can emulate your little spa bath. You can do those things. So I thought that was positive, but at the same time, the business person in me said I was quite. You know, I was very sad for the industry because I think it put so many small businesses, especially women, at risk, and that was really not 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 a good idea because we need these women and women need to be able to earn an income, um, and men. But I think in the beauty industry, you have a long a strong dominance of women in this industry. So I was very pleased when they released the lockdown. And then, of course, the mask industry has also been fascinating to me to see how we've evolved to having now highly decorative and fashionable masks, you know, when people were... (laughs) Now I see on Instagram, you know... We are embracing this idea of wearing a mask, and you see the most beautiful masks. Um, one of my favourite South African designers is Laduma uh, my, my at Laduma, and I see so many young hipsters wearing his beautifully designed masks. And you know, I for one also, you know, like, it was so good to support small industry. You know, in my neighbourhood, there were women sewing masks and donating money to charities. Yeah, it was fantastic. And. So I take the mask wearing thing very seriously, and I hope a lot of people do. So I read a piece of research, in fact, literally five minutes ago on PopSign, which is a really great website. And it's a research that's has to be done during COVID that says the most effective uh, control against the spread of the virus is social distancing and wearing a mask. That is it. So we have to understand that, we, you know, that's what slows the virus down. And the more that people can do that and embrace it and and not see it as a a hard chore to do, you know, the more we will gain against you know against it, and we will bring it down to level, so we don't have to keep going into lockdowns like the rest of the world. And I think it's going to be very tricky, you know, Nikki, because we're going heading for the festive season, and different cultures and religions celebrate differently, right? Mm -hmm. The reality is that we we are now going into a er surge period, and we all have to think about what. Are we going to all do during this time to be healthy about not just ourselves, but about everyone else as well? So what role are we going to play? This is really
0: important. Yeah. Other stories? Uh Sorry, did you want to say something? No, 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 I completely agree with you. We really have to think of the other, not, not really just of ourselves, but carry on. Um, we've got a couple more minutes left, Giselle. I'm loving, I'm loving all these updates. So
1: what does someone, what did we all want? What should we all be doing and taking? I think everyone heard the vitamin D story. Take vitamin D, take vitamin C, but I think there is a a supplement which is very, um, not really well widely spoken about, very popular in the United States. I interviewed uh, a Dr. Brian Kornblatt. He was he's a Harvard trained, Harvard researcher doctor who works for a company called NutriMax. You can Google that NutriMax. They have a product. They do a lot of stuff in the joint pain area, but they've done they've – done, he himself has done a lot of research on a product called bio uh, – sorry, sulforaphane, which is an extract of broccoli, but it's a scientifically derived extract. You can't get it from going and eating kilograms of broccoli And anyway, Who wants to eat kilograms of broccoli? I love broccoli, but you cannot actually – because it's the way that the enzymes interact in in the the, the process of, of the production of the sulforaphane. But this, this tab that they've been doing research trials and they are seeing that it really is a good immune booster. So apart from the vitamin D and the vitamin C and just, you know, eating healthy and exercising, really taking this exercising, um, smartly, I would definitely have a look at these interesting supplements that, um, are highly scientific. There's no, you know, there's no, um, snake oil stuff around them at all. And seeing whether you can stock up on those just in terms of the long run and the longevity. Um, I also learned to take a huge amount of vitamin B. Um, I've, it's a funny thing. It's such an underrated vitamin, but you know that it's the anti-stress vitamin, vitamin B. Um, and I take every day, I actually mega dose vitamin B and I've been doing it consistently for since the beginning of lockdown, because like everyone, it doesn't matter how healthy you are. And I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a health activist. I'm super healthy. You know, sorry to say, it. can I tell you something? In those early days, I was extremely fearful because we, it was so unknown. And even now, I don't have. You know, I really believe you have to treat this virus with respect, and you have to be respectful of the impact of many people around you because it's not. We are all in this together. We are. We are, may not be on the same boats, but we are all on the same ocean. Okay, so. This is really important. And if I really take care of myself and I and I practice good, healthy habits and I try and spread that then and I and I'm really conscientious during this time, it'll help everyone. So vitamin B um, three and vitamin B twelve, so important for stress, but you need to take it consistently. And I don't believe we get enough in our food. No matter how healthy you eat, there are you know our food quality is has over time deteriorated because they put so many additives into food and they hormones in the meat and they hormones in chicken and very few of us can afford to eat pure organic food all the time because you have to really be very wealthy to do that in South Africa. It's very expensive because it isn't the volume. It's not like America where you know the price is a lot more cheaper or sure. the user. So I would say that and I think um As we head towards now, a break where we're all going to loosen up a bit, you know, don't let go. Don't let go of those sensibilities. You don't have to be fearful, but you can be mindful. And I think if we are all mindful and we carry on practicing good, healthy strategies, then we'll all be here in the new year. We can have a positive attitude to how do we rebuild you know, our, our, our economy, how do we all get working again in a positive way? Um, because that's what's going to help us have longevity when we are all active, not just in health terms, but economically and in psychologically. And we don't, um, feel like we don't have a future. We need to believe in a future, Nikki, not just Absolutely. in something globally. And this is what longevity is about. Um, so that is my story. And I've tried, you know, obviously telling you five million things at once, but. <laughs>
0: Oh, Giselle, listen, you've told us so much. It's wonderful. I I feel like we need to end it on the note that you ended it on and that, you know, it is the end of the year. Look after yourself. Be with the ones that you love, but be cautious. Wear your mask. Following distance. It's not just about you. It's about the other and coming back and, yes, being a part of a greater community, planning for a future, looking after the self. I love all of that. And, you know, we know it, but we need to be reminded because sometimes we get sucked in, right, and we forget. The, the very simple truths Which really govern the laws Don't they? It governs the way we live
1: Yeah, take, take care of your neighbor You take care yeah. of your neighbor, take care of yourself We, we, will, all, we will all Survive this very rocky um, Storm that is passing over our ocean Our global ocean And Indeed. we will fine. the sun will shine And we, will, we really will get through
0: it Indeed we will. Giselle, thank you so much. You take care of yourself. I hope we'll have you on the show again. If you're with spending time with family, enjoy, take care and all the best for the new year. And, and you and all your, your listeners too.